And another reminder that Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast. It gives you everything you need in one place, and it's free. You can use it right from your phone or your computer. They have creation tools, so you can record and edit your podcast so it sounds great. And they'll distribute your podcast for free. So you can hear it on Spotify, Apple, Google, and many more. Just like us here at BraveMaker. Make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. So download the Anchor app today and go to anchor.fm to get started. Thanks to our sponsors. Now back to the show. Hey, Brave Maker podcast addicts, listeners, fans, and friends. You're listening to episode 64 of the Brave Maker podcast. Co-host Christina Jackson and I are hosting special guests, and it launches right in after the intro. Uh, a few minutes into the broadcast, we're doing these things on Zoom nowadays because of the COVID pandemic. So sound quality is what it is. But just so you know, we went right into the part where Tiana was correcting us that her nickname is not Tia, it's Tiana, and how I assumed wrongly. So enjoy. Stories, scripts, and conversations with creators. This is the Brave Maker Podcast. Tiana, thank you for telling me that. I, I, she, she rebuked me in an email because her website is <laughs> tia.agency. No, it's TJA. That's well, where the Tia was coming from? Okay, now that makes sense. Because I didn't yeah. know what was going on. No, it's TJA.agency. Oh my gosh. It's TJA. So yeah. as, I, as I'm looking at it, all I see my eyes. So, you know, yeah. I, I wear glasses. So I see Tia. And she's like, no one, no one calls me Tia. Never going to be called by Tia. Yeah, I've never gone by that. Yeah. So Tiana, thank you for being on today. We're excited to hear about your story. So yeah, tell us, launch, in, launch into how you yeah. got into the business and how you're making waves and why you're um, making waves. It sounds like we're we're running parallel. Um, you know, found certain barriers of entry as a black woman, a highly educated black woman, was unable to find employment at multiple agencies, um, was running into artists uh, who were saying the same things that I've been saying this entire time, that, you know, we, we couldn't find representation to be that champion for us and so i finally in my early 30s said okay i'm gonna have to do it myself and the jack agency was born in 2014 and you've got agencies in los angeles new york atlanta phoenix branching out into the uk i mean you have not waited you're not waiting on anybody you're making it happen Exactly. We are pretty much international at this point. I have a local roster in every major market. So, Christina, take it over. Yeah, Tiana. So, (laughs) when you decided to launch into this, I'm just going to undertaking. Super exciting. What was the objective? What was the mission? You're going to start Jackson Agency, and what did you envision achieving with your agency? The, the goal had always been to be number one, right? To be the next WME. At the time, WME was number one. And so I wanted to be that, right? I wanted to be a force to be reckoned with, to have, you know, a, a talented roster of working artists and be able to actually be fair when it came to opportunities that were available to all artists, not just giving opportunities to your 
your sister's boyfriend, right? <laughs> Giving opportunities to folks who actually had solid creative works. That was the goal. And that still is the goal. Okay, amazing. And your background, so are you a filmmaker, an actor? You're a talent agent. What's like, what all makes up Tiana? Like, what all are you? Um, definitely a creative. I have a, a mixture of both the creative side and the business side. Um, I can single-handedly write, shoot, do pre-production, production, post-production. I can do everything all by myself um, in terms of, you know, recording some content. Um, I'm the type of person where I feel like I need to know what it is that I am representing people for. So I know a little bit about everything, cinematography, sound, editing, um, gaffing, all of those things. Oh my goodness, we love that. And you mentioned a little bit that you are highly educated. So can we talk a little bit about your educational background? Because for me, I kind of stumbled into acting last year. I went to business school. My background is in finance. So this is all new to me. And I'm trying to learn everything about all aspects of the business as well. So let's talk a little bit about your background. Are you always yeah. in the um, So my degree is actually in communications with an emphasis in math comm. So when I ventured into the workforce, I actually got my start as an accountant. I started off what? doing accounts payable, actually. Um, so... That was a steady check. I wanted to do entertainment, but it was it was so much of a hustle that I realized I needed a steady check. And so I couldn't do that full time. My best friend, though, he was doing it. He was out there ripping and running, driving in every day from Ontario. Um, while he was on set, I on the weekends would take meetings at various like pitch festivals and stuff like that, where I would go and pitch his script and um, put the business plan together. I was taking classes at uh, Film Independence. I've taken line producing, distribution, um, doing the, um, gosh, what am I blanking on? The business plan, all of those things. I was kind of handling that side of things so that way he could do his creative thing. Mm -hmm. um, then in my 30s, we just got to a point where everyone... <laughs> No one was getting anywhere. We weren't getting anywhere. I had taken a break from it. I had gone and left LA for a few years and came back. And when I came back, I said, okay, we're just going to, we're going to dive in and do this full time. So I ended up um, enrolling at UCLA and I took line producing and a production accounting class. And that was kind of eye opening because I was in the class with other accountants, other CPAs, other like attorneys who, you know, tax attorneys, if you will. And the vice president of finance at NBC was one of our instructors. And he said, okay, you guys are all accountants. <laughs> he said, so you're probably wondering why you can't do production accounting. And everybody was like, yes. And he said, because what we do with production accounting isn't true accounting. And so once he explained all of that, it is no different from bookkeeping, but I won't even say it's bookkeeping. It's literally just taking the expenses, putting them into the, the system, creating this little hot sheet and kind of kicking it back out. So they don't have a concept of what a journal entry is. They don't have a concept of a debit versus a credit. They might know it just a little bit, but we found that although we were qualified to, in theory, work for NBC in the accounting department, for whatever reason, we weren't qualified to go work on their set. And that was this big disconnect. So I was actually thankful for that class because I had been chasing after that as a career path for over 10 years and was never able to break in. And once I took that class, it all made sense. They didn't want a real accountant. They just wanted somebody who could reconcile receipts. 
Um, after that, I enrolled in the UCLA Producers Program and learned a little bit of everything on that. Uh, we went all the way through scripted, unscripted documentaries. Um, and then the majority of my classmates in the Producers Program had just finished the Screenwriters Program, and they said it was pretty good. So they told me, you know, you should definitely do it. So I put in my stuff for that, got accepted to that, and did that program. So I transitioned officially from finance to entertainment in at 2014 by the time I was done with schooling. That's amazing. And Tiana, you have a, a brand that's known for being, uh, like I watched the videos on your Instagram. You just tell like it is, you give people advice. You don't, you don't fluff it up. Uh, talk about there's people watching and listening right now for, from an agent standpoint, everyone wants to know what do I need to do to get an agent? So can you give some of the myths about getting an agent and some of the do's and don'ts that agents would love uh, their potential and aspiring actors to be aware of? Oh, boy. Let's see here. Myths. Um, one of my peeves um, is you cannot assume that just because an agency is a part of a guild or an organization that they are legit you're going to need to do your due diligence about that person, that agency, and find out whether or not there's someone that you want to align yourself with. There's this misconception that if you are SAG-AFTRA, that you're legit and you're the best and you're this, that, and the other. It's not true because I'm presently unattached to any organization. I'm out here doing my thing. I am operating within accordance of the state law. So that's always been a pet peeve for me because I feel like by saying these things, we are sort of, I guess, marginalizing the contributions of agencies that have followed the letter of the law and haven't been members of these organizations for various reasons. There's barriers to entry as well when you're talking about joining these organizations. Um, so that's the first thing is do your research. What I kind of tell everybody is, is you're going to have bad reviews online. That's going to happen. When people get dropped from an agency, the first thing they do is they run online and badmouth the agency. That's just that's just the way it is. I don't know why. I wish it would stop. But really what should be important to you is finding out whether or not that agent has stolen money. That's going to be the most important factor. In terms of getting an agent, um, you know, it can be easy, but it also can be hard. I can understand both sides of it. When I started, we literally had the blueprint on the website of like, go here, go here, go here, go here and do this. And that's all you had to do. If you fit those bare minimum requirements, we could pretty much work with you as long as you were coachable, you showed that you were a professional, you know, weren't too weird, right? Because everybody's a little quirky. Um, <laughs> but over the years, you just kind of find that you'll get a lot of people who will say they want this and then we give them the opportunity and then it just, they kind of fall flat. And it happens all the time. I can have people that might chase after me in my inbox uh, following up every week and then we take a meeting they seem super proactive. And as soon as we sign them, we can't get them out of onboarding because after they sign the contract, they haven't finished doing our onboarding. So it's this weird thing that I can't really put my finger on. And, and what sucks for me is, is as you can see, I'm here. It's just me <laughs> there. So taking a meeting for me takes critical time away from my clients and what we're doing on our day to day. Um, so I think everyone needs to understand that. I think there's this culture of, well, just see if you can get a meeting, just see if you can get a meeting. Meetings cost me money, okay? We're not like the bigger agencies where meetings drive their day because, frankly, they're just BSing throughout their day, okay? But for us, I want to work with people who have their stuff together, 
they know what they want, and then they've done their research about me. Because as you can see, I am unapologetically with my black. So you're going to have to be okay with that. And you're, if you're not okay with that, then this is definitely not going to be the agency for you. Because I'm not going to change that for anyone. We've, I've been through way too much <laughs> to sit up here and not be black. So I love that. I be love black. That. Yeah, can I ask, Tiana, how would you begin an investigation to know if the agency that you're looking at has stolen money, has some, let's say, some questionable practices? Where would you start? You can literally Google. You can literally just Google it because that stuff's going to be out there. It's going to be aggregated, whether it's with the Department of Industrial Relations, um, one of those like complaints.org websites, like you'd be surprised there's stuff out there. You know, the same thing happened with the talent agency recently. That was back after where he stole apparently like $50,000 from the client trust account and it made the news everywhere. So Google is your friend. It really is an amazing tool for you guys to get information. This stuff didn't exist for me. You know, I look young and I am somewhat young, but we're coming from an era where we shot on film. You couldn't get a movie made if you didn't have at least $10,000 to buy film. Now you're in this digital era where the sky is the limit. You really can do anything that you want to do. Um, so you've got to use that tool that is the internet because there's a lot of great information and resources that are out there available to you. You just have to want to go look for it. Tiana, I'm going to take some uh, questions if you are watching and you just maybe found us, uh, I'm Tony Gapastone, founder of Brave Maker. I'm with Christina Jackson, and we're talking with Tiana Jackson of the Jackson Agency. We're going to invite you in the comments to ask questions, and we'll see if we can pull some of those in. Uh, Tiana is a force to be reckoned with in the entertainment industry, and she is representing all different sorts of diverse clientele. I love on your Instagram uh, that you have these really, I haven't seen this before. I mean, I kind of like the way that you kind of put your talent out there. You have their names and you're even pitching almost like to casting directors or producers, how they might be cast, you know, as the, the socialite, the dancer, the social entrepreneur, the leading man. I really, I really like that. We've got yeah. We went through a rebranding. We're going through a rebranding during COVID. So I've been working with the exception of the first week when we shut down, I did stay home, made sure everything was straight at my house. And then after that, I've been back here every day. So we've been working on rebranding, figuring out, you know, who actually has what we need. And then if someone didn't have it, I dispatched a team of interns to bug the heck out of them all summer <laughs> to get what we needed. Otherwise at that point, with that one-to-one -one attention, if you still didn't give us what we needed, then we know that you're just not the right fit for our agency and what we're trying to do collectively as a team. We have a question from Eli Reynolds says, both as an agent and creative when balancing advocacy with creativity and business, do you ever feel you have to prioritize one over the other? And if so, how do you? Oh, um, I will say as of today, on, you know, Juneteenth, no, I'm not, I'm not going to um, prioritize anything else other than equity, inclusion, and diversity. Like that, that's it. I've, I've had it up to here with everything that's going on um, in the country and the things that I've seen behind the scenes. Um, you know, I've talked about this in lots of live streams, various articles where there's, I'll give you two instances. One of my first introductions to entertainment on the agent side was working, um, doing a commercial breakdown and the, the commercial breakdowns always have the white male as the hero. Always without fail. He's always the hero. 
Um, that's a problem. Okay. And then the other was doing a, um, print campaign for a major tobacco product where they wanted somebody who was legal 25, because what you have to understand is that you have to be legally 25 to work alcohol and tobacco, um, campaign. And they were clear about how they wanted somebody who looked 18 to play younger, but legal 25. Um, and of course this campaign was only targeting the black community. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are times where I find myself <laughs> thinking, what are you doing? Why are you contributing to this? Right. Um, but the truth is, is that if I don't get in here, then I can't do anything to change it. Mm-hmm. So we have to take the good with the bad and we have to continue to hope that there are people out here in the positions to actually make change. And they actually like have some accountability, put their money in where their mouth is, if you will, and actually impact change, which is we're for me and my inner circle, we're just kind of tired of all the BS we see with the A-listers online talking about their list of demands and all these things when truthfully they've had the ability to make change this whole time. They've had the ability to break away from the system and do their own thing, but they're still existing inside of this system. Um, I've been to some events and had some candid conversations with these cats and they don't even have black agents. They don't have black managers. They don't have black publicists. They don't have black attorneys. They definitely don't have black financial planners. So my goal at this point now, if we're talking about how am I balancing this, we're just going to create our own system. Like, Kind of like how uh, Kyrie Irving said, hey, man, let's not let's not play in the NBA this season. Let's make our own league. That's like the level. That's that's where I'm at now with my stuff is I'm I've I've had enough of the mainstream, to say the least. Mm-hmm. As yeah. an agent, are you able to push back and say, hey, maybe the lead shouldn't be played by this white male role maybe we could try something else are you is there space for you as an agent to make these suggestions and create change from that well what they did was to save like prevent from lawsuits is now the breakdowns will say um we are committed to diversity regardless of the character breakdown please feel free to submit anyone and they have that Okay. okay in front of everything but then you go and and then the first role is like matt 18 caucasian it's like, well, your diversity disclaimer, obviously, you you know what it is you're looking for. Um, I can't say it has gotten a little bit better during quarantine. We have had more of our, our, our non-white artists getting self-taped now. Um, and it's interesting when I even talk to other, other agents, they're like, oh, yeah, my agency, more of my African-Americans go out. And at mine, it was like, yeah, my last four bookings were my Caucasian. So it's interesting to see kind of the dichotomy um, between us. And I think that now with the stuff that I'm seeing, especially on the literary side, there is, is an even more conscious, concerted effort towards having BIPOC writers get in but the problem is is that they're not looking outside of the normal agencies they work with they're not looking outside of the CAA the WMEs the UTAs right they're just going back to them and what they need to be doing is stop looking at them and start looking at us because we've been operating very very diversely very inclusive oriented this whole time and we have talented artists here but if you don't reach out to us the way you reach out to CAA and friends, 
you're never going to find what you're looking for because they don't want this to change. I can tell you that right now. They don't want it to change because if they wanted it to change, it would have changed already. This is obviously a much needed conversation. And, you know, as a white man, my learning curve is extremely high right now. Part of the reason why we started Brave Maker was I, I know how hard it is to break into the industry. And I have this place of being a male and white and all these other things. How much more have I heard from my friends of color that it's been challenging? And, you know, today or this season, one of the things that I have learned as a, as a white person is how silence has hurt so much and the damage and violence that we have done in our ignorance. And I, I read ignorance is defined on not wanting to know what you don't know, as well as knowing what you don't know and not being a part of that change. So I just want to acknowledge that to all of our, our Caucasian audience right now, how much we need to do and do better on behalf of people of color and the black community. It's not, uh, it's not their job to teach us how to be anti-racist. And we believe that the arts have a major part in this. And I love that the Jackson agency is about not just entertainment, entertainment, we need entertainment, but entertainment that does a culture good and better. So I just want to say thank you and applaud you for, for doing this work. Uh, I've got Robertino saying, thanks, Tiana, for all your helpful insight, motivation, and for being a positive influence, strong and brave African-American female. Can I, can we, uh, Tiana, what you were saying about how they don't want it to change, can you just reiterate why is it so important right now that the landscape does change in regards to diversity, inclusivity, I mean, just go into that because it, it needs to change. And for anyone who's watching this and listening and you're resisting it, like representation matters. Like it, it is so imperative for our culture moving forward that we have representation. And I love Tiana, if you could just really go into like, why does this need to change now? Well, I live in a world that has a little bit of everything. So I just feel like your workplaces should as well. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't walk on set and be the only one of whatever it is you are because that's not the world we live in there's nobody out here that is there's not just one gay person on the planet right. <laughs> you know what i'm saying there's not just one black person there's not just one native american there's not one pakistani so why are we why are we doing this in our workplaces like i remember i you know for those of you that know my story when i went natural i got discriminated and like harassed at my workplace they came in and the one of the <laughs> One of the employees kept putting in like Black Panther paraphernalia all over my office. And so the shop manager came in. He was like, are you okay with this? And I said, I don't really know what this is yet. Like, I didn't know if it was a term of endearment because the woman's telling me why I went to Kent State and I used to protest at the union, but she was an older white woman. And so I couldn't quite process what it was until the day the owner was getting ready to come in for work. When she found out the owner was coming in for work, she ran in my office and she snatched everything down. That's when I knew, wow. right? Because if it really was about black love, why did you leave it up? So <laughs> there, and this was in LA, mind you. So the more discriminate, the most discrimination I've ever experienced in my life has been in Los Angeles. And so that's what I'm going to tell you. If you're a person who doesn't live in Los Angeles, if you're living in some Midwestern state and you're online talking about how crazy and liberal California is, let me tell you, 
California is just as racist as any other state in the United States. The difference is they've got beaches, they've got money and really delicious food and pretty people everywhere. That's it. That's the only difference. They are not as liberal as you think it is, because let's face it, if Hollywood is so liberal, why are we out here fighting so hard trying to get work? Mm-hmm. Facts. I don't even know if that answered the question. Sorry. <laughs> change. Change, change needs to happen. Change is important. So, you know, they came in, they took everything down. So it really wasn't about, you know, the black love. And I feel like we're in a, in a space here where it's paralleling, you know, silence is violence. Lack of representation. And, mm. you know, I feel like that's speaking volumes on its own. When you're not showing that diversity, what are you, what are you saying? Like, what are you promoting? What are you about? So, yeah. Friends is a prime example. We yeah. know that Living Single laid the framework, but Friends came and existed in New York of all places, right? The place that we're taught in school is a cultural melting pot of America, mm-hmm. and it was all white. Yeah. So there's a lot of issues. Now, I have spoken with, with some white executives, and the guy articulated perfectly. He won congratulated me on being smart for having people of color. And I thought that was funny. Um, But he said flat out, he's worried about going extinct. And so if you're talking about why there's, yeah, you're talking about why there's this aversion to change. Yeah. There are white men who are worried that they will no longer have a job. And if that's your worry, if your worry is that you won't have a job, then that means you shouldn't have had that job to begin with because that means you're trash. That means you're not good at your job because if you were good at your job, you wouldn't have anything to worry about. Bringing in more black, brown, Asians, whatever, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't have a job. What that means is that you probably got in on nepotism and you were garbage to begin with and now you realize that you have no value and no job skills and you might want to, you know, sort that out very quickly because things are going to change, period. They're, they have to at this point. They have to. Yes. Yeah. They're championing that change right now. I love it. I love it. Christina brought up, uh, Ralph is saying, I'm worried. Wow, he's worried. I'm not, I'm not worried, Ralph. I'm, I'm championing this. I'm, I'm with Tiana. I'm with Christina. <laughs> uh, Christina told me the other day, uh, and this is this is research, right? That racism. If, if if people like me and white powers of white positions of power are worried about their jobs, racism costs you millions of dollars mm-hmm. to not have a diverse workplace, to yeah. be an unhealthy environment, to not cast diverse people in your films and in your TV shows will cost you money. So if money motivates you, you might think about not being racist. You yeah. might actually think about opening the doors to all people. So that is, um, that is something, as James said, we might want to sort that out. Yes, yeah. I wholeheartedly agree. Uh, Deborah is asking, is there a way for you to represent actors in the Bay Area? Maybe you already do. Mm, I don't. Right now, I don't. You have to be, see, until COVID, LA is an in-person market. They love seeing your face. So it's hard to have you guys that are outside of the LA area. We get the same problem with folks from San Diego. They just don't understand. An audition can come in at a moment's notice. We've had one that came in with 45 minutes notice. 
Mm-hmm. Like Corey had to hop in the car and go to Ocean Park Casting in Santa Monica in Rush Hour. Yeah. <laughs> so casting, you know, has their different deadlines and things come in. And so when the auditions come in, we have no control over it. And I can tell you that we cannot always reschedule them the way you guys think we can. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, like they say, we have this window or we paired you up with this actor. So you can't always just be like, oh, well, I'll just turn in a tape or, oh, I'll just go tomorrow. You, you can't always do that. But I wanted to go back to what you're talking about, Tony, with the diversity. So here's what they figured out. When we first did the call for, you know, more black faces, right? We had Oscars so white. So then they just started handing out stuff, in my opinion, to things that weren't even deserving of Golden Globes and Emmys. I'll be honest. I'm like, really? But what they did was is they pacified the consumers by putting more black faces on your TV screen. Most were black British, if we're being honest. Okay. Mm-hmm. But they never changed their executives. They never changed the boardrooms. They never changed the crew, right? They didn't change anything in terms of the folks who were the laborers who stood to make the six figures a year. They didn't change any of that. All they did was put one or two more black British actors in there. And then you guys, oh, it's so great. And then did, you know, did a, what is it? Um, the, the poll, right? Where they ask you, well, how are you guys feeling about what you're seeing on television? Oh, well, I'm really feeling represented. I'm seeing more people that look like me. I need you guys to stop worrying about what's on your TV screens now and start worrying about the people behind the scenes who are greenlighting the stuff and who are helping to make the art. That's where I need everybody's focus to be. That goes for the CSA. That goes for IATSE. Okay. We cannot continue to worry about who's acting on the show. We need to start worrying about who's greenlighting the show, who's producing the show, who's rolling camera on the show. That's what we need to flip. The rest will come. But what they did was, because they're smart, here you go. This is what they want. They want black faces. All right, cool. They didn't say black American faces, so we're going to give you black British. So even mm-hmm. then, you're still creating black American economic empowerment when you do those things. That's a good word. I saw they posted a lot of the studio executive boards and tops, and it was very white. And so that is a, that is a word we, we need to see that change happen behind the screen. Because if you think about what you're saying right now, like the green lighting of what kind of stories, right? What kind of stories are being greenlit and who are writing those stories that are being greenlit and who are directing those stories. And here's again, just to be transparent about my ignorance is somebody had pointed out, and I'm going to forget what it is now, but it was a film that has been, it's an animated film that was known for talking about racism and diversity, but it turned out it was mainly white writers, white directors, and white voices. And so to look at that and go, what if it really is a story, then we have to be hiring and appointing and greenlighting people of color to tell their stories, tell their stories. So yeah, I, I really appreciate that, uh, Tiana. Thank you for that. Corinne, who's the one who connected us, is asking for a a response on how would you talk about teamwork among your clients and how they can better support each other through these changes. That's a great just industry question is how can people better support and encourage and maybe even protest? How do we protest so that change happens? Yeah. Well, so here's the thing at the Jackson agency, we're about that life. Um, (laughs) So I don't know what the other agencies are doing besides posting fake black squares and fake Juneteenth closures, closures when they've never ever cared about a single hashtag before. Right. But here at the Jackson Agency, we're activists. Um, Daniel Newfer posted an amazing animated video that he made himself this morning to help educate his fellow Caucasians about the history of Juneteenth. So my clients are proactive. We're not reactive. 
Okay. And that's the difference between us and everybody else is that we understand what's going on and we're doing everything we can to actually make change. If you're a creative listening to this, change is not happening with what you're seeing on screen. It's happening behind the scenes. Like everyone has to have a seat at the table. We've all got to show up, you know, to make this happen. It's happening behind the scenes. So, yeah. Well, if there's any other questions, oh, we have a few minutes left. Obviously, Tiana said time is money. Her time is very, <laughs> is very valuable. <laughs> so, uh, Tiana, uh, I am a writer-director in the Bay Area, and I know there are many other filmmakers watching this. How do people get in touch with you for casting if they want to cast one of your talents? Um, well, let's see here. I'll give out my Gmail. How about that? Yeah. I'll give you my generic Gmail that'll get to where it needs to go, which is jacksonagency818 at gmail.com. All right. That tends to go over better than the tja.agency because people struggle with it and throw a .com on the end. So you can always get a hold of me at jacksonagency818 at gmail.com. Okay. What I can say right now is we are not accepting any new talent. <laughs> I have more than enough actors. Um, you know, I have people that have been here hustling, grinding with me for the last two, three years. And we just want to keep that forward momentum. Um, things are going to be tight when we get back. There's not going to be enough audition slots. Okay. It's just going to be, it's going to be hard out here. That's just the truth. And so for us, we signed 25 new people during COVID, brought in eight more writers to our literary roster. We are good. All right. I want to say uh, thank you so much for being with us today. And uh, we obviously, can't get to all of these uh, comments, but thank you oh, so much. For what every... are they saying? I want to see. I can't uh, see. My computer here is oh, okay. uh, spacing out. So I have all these things popping up. So I hope you can see everything okay. But Tiana, thank <laughs> you so much for being here. You are a force. I hope that we can uh, work with you and can keep <laughs> connecting with you. You are a brave maker, truly. And we at Brave Maker are glad to partner with you and continue to promote the work that you do. So, thank you. you. I'm so happy you guys are doing what you're doing. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Everybody's got a job to do and we're doing it. That's what matters. Uh, and right don't on. be pacified. Just to reiterate what Tiana said do not be pacified by what you're seeing in front of your face. Pull back the curtain, see what's really going on with these organizations, see what they're really about, if they're about that life. And if you're black, be about be about that life. Definitely be about be, that life, and that includes your A-listers. Don't forget the A-listers that are tweeting up a storm today. But think about the times you've reached out to them and they've ignored you. Mm -hmm. Go look at who their agents are. Who are their managers? Mm -hmm. Right. Go look yeah. at the, the staff over at Title. Yeah. Right. Jay Z's company. Do you see any black faces? You gotta you gotta do a deep dive, people. Yeah. Like for real. Deep dive. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And, and white people, let's be uh, let's be humble and recognize where we've messed up and where we have wronged our black friends and family and creatives and artists and amplify their voices. Thank you so much for watching today. We really believe brave stories change the world and you are the story. Let's keep making change out there. The arts, the arts can change the world. We'll see you soon, everybody. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Brave Maker podcast. Subscribe. Give us a rating and share with a friend. BraveMaker is a 501c3 nonprofit organization. Our work is funded by generous patrons like you. 
Support the podcast with a tax-deductible donation at bravemaker.com. Brave stories change the world. You are the story.